Trudeau bungles the border closure, the science is not yet settled on coronavirus, and at a time where we really need the truth, the media pushes fake news left, right, and center. I'm Candace Malcolm, and this is The Candace Malcolm Show. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into The Candace Malcolm Show. We are back in our studios, sort of running at half capacity. I finished my two-week self-quarantine after returning from California. And as I mentioned on the show before, I went and got tested for coronavirus and I tested negative. So it's safe to have my producer here in the room, but he is keeping his distance. He's six feet away, or as some Canadians like to say, two meters away, but he's, he's further away. So we are keeping safe at True North and we hope that you are as well. So Justin Trudeau finally announced that they were closing the border after months and months of saying that this thing was like no big deal, saying that, you know, having flights from China wasn't going to make us any more at threat during this sort of Wuhan outbreak. The Trudeau government finally did an about phase. True North commended them for not only closing the border, but closing the illegal crossing at Roxham Road. That was a huge about phase, sort of ideologically, not only you know, the right thing to do, but it it goes against the ideology that they possess. So that was the right thing to do. The problem is that this measure was absolutely bungled. So just on Wednesday, Justin Trudeau finally announced that the government was making it mandatory that people returning to Canada self-quarantine for 14 days. Up until then, it had just been a recommendation. It was just recommended that people come back. In other words, You didn't really have to do it, and no one was monitoring, and there was no enforcement measure. So we had one million Canadians and permanent residents return to Canada last week. So just to paint the timeline, you know, at first we had the Trudeau government saying border closures don't work. Then they announced the border closure and said, look, all Canadians, you have to come home right now. We're in the middle of spring break in, in a lot of the country. So families are, you know, in hot spots getting some sun and on vacation. A lot of people in Europe, a lot of people in Asia. Trudeau made the call saying, hey, everyone get back to Canada ASAP. So a million Canadians follow that advice. They get on a plane, they, you know, by any means possible, they get back to Canada. It, it, it's a huge effort to get a million Canadians abroad back into the country at once. And at that point, we learn that the Trudeau government wasn't even making it mandatory that people self-isolate and self-quarantine. So if you just think about it, a million people coming from all over the world, you can only imagine how many of those people could have been sick. I mean, it only takes a small number. It only really takes one person who's very sick. This disease is very contagious, as we know, and it can easily spread. Um, so Tr- Trudeau said, come back. And there were no measures. We've reported this as well at True North that people arriving at the airport, supposedly there were enhanced measures to be tracking people who are ill. That wasn't the case. There was a CBC report about how sick travelers were masking their coronavirus symptoms to get through airport screening. You read the article and you hear about one woman who's coming back from Spain and she was actually tested positive for coronavirus when she got back, but she just was so desperate to get out of Spain. And as we know, there's a huge outbreak there right now. The hospitals are completely overburdened. The death toll there has now actually surpassed China. So things are really bad in countries like Italy, Spain, and France. And so Canadians were, you know, hustling to get out of there. I mean, it's, you kind of understand and are sympathetic to this woman because if I was abroad, I would want to come home to Canada where it's sort of safe and comfortable. But at the same time, of course, she puts so many people at risk. And because Trudeau hadn't issued the mandate to say it is absolutely necessary. It's not just advised, but it's legally necessary for you to stay at home. A lot of the people that came back last week, the millions of Canadians, million Canadians, are 
potentially out and about, out, you know, doing grocery shopping, going for a walk, doing the things that we are permitted to do under this self-isolation ruling. And yet, you know, the law is only going into effect as of today, as of Thursday. So anyone who came last week is just sort of a free-for-all. This is just the the government completely bungling this thing. Like, you know, a lot of people are giving Trudeau credit for his daily press briefings for the sort of transparency they're operating, kind of giving assurances to Canadians. That's all well and good. But every major decision the Trudeau government has made has been like two weeks late or three weeks late. And at a time like this where time is of the essence and it's so vital to stop the spread before it happens and really contain the virus to the individuals that have it, Trudeau is really, really just letting us down. So now, finally, it is legally mandated. But and I went into this in detail yesterday on the True North update with my co-host Andrew Lawton. The, um, the, the, the details are really in the exemptions, not the rule itself. So the rule is all Canadians uh, have to self-isolate, but then there's like all these exemptions, including flight attendants. So, you know, the people who are on the front lines that are interacting with all these passengers, all these people interacting one-on-one with every single passenger on a plane, they're not required to self-isolate. They should be the, in my opinion, they should be the ones that are most required to self-isolate. They're the people that are most at risk because they're interacting so closely with other people. Then there's other exemptions, including frontline workers. So if you're a frontline worker, an essential worker, sorry, uh, someone who's working in essential service, which could potentially even be at a hospital. If you're working at a hospital, you're exempt from the quarantine. But come on, give me a break. Those are the people who could also potentially interact with other people, interact with sick people. If someone is a nurse at a hospital, they just returned from a vacation in Spain, and they're exempt from the 14-day quarantine so they can go to work. But what if they're what if they have symptoms? What if they're sick and they just haven't started showing symptoms? It's it's bizarre. We're either going to take this health crisis seriously and have the rules being followed to a T, or we're just kind of going to go willy-nilly, which is what the Trudeau government has been doing. And again, I think these exemptions really do make it problematic. Now, all this said, I I think that it is very important. Like I said, I personally self-isolated at a time where it wasn't even required partially because I was feeling some symptoms of the flu. Uh, But I also just thought, you know, not only for my own health and safety, but for my community as well, I'm going to self-isolate. I think it's important to follow these measures and to be overly cautious. I'd I'd rather be overly cautious than underly cautious. I personally um, had a whole bunch of speaking opportunities and gigs this spring. I was supposed to speak at the Manning Conference this weekend. I had a whole bunch of other speeches lined up across Canada, and they've basically all been cancelled. Not basically. Every single one of them has been cancelled, and I think that's for the better. I think at a time like this where there's so much uncertainty, it's better to be cautious. But I want to make this point very clearly. The science is not yet settled on coronavirus. It isn't something that we just all have a a complete agreement with. You know, the way that the Trudeau government looks, uh, sort of almost absolves themselves of responsibility for decision making by saying, we rely on experts, we rely on the science, the science is what's guiding us, the experts are what's guiding us. That's all well and good. But there is no agreement within the scientific community on this issue, as is the case in most issues. But the science, as we're seeing more and more, there are so many dissenting voices that it's really hard to just say, you know, there's one one specific train of thought and we're following that. And so, you know, when when you look through the science, when you look through what the quote unquote experts are saying, they're not all in agreement. And so I'm going to go through some of the different, some of the scientific voices 
that are not really being amplified. That, you know, that there's a specific train of thought, which is this is really, really bad. The entire country, the entire society, every single person in the world needs to just stay at home for an indefinite amount of time. And that's sort of the prevailing wisdom at this point. But like I said, there is a lot, quite a bit of dissent within the community. So I'm going to start by talking about an individual called Michael Levitt. He is a Nobel laureate in chemistry, won that in 2013, and he is a Stanford biophysicist. So Mr. Levitt, Professor Levitt, correctly calculated that China would get through the worst of its coronavirus outbreaks long before many health experts had predicted. He actually created a model and predicted the number of cases and the number of deaths like within a few dozen. It was really, really impressive what he did. So he, he basically says, look, We don't have all the information. We don't have perfect information right now. Everything is kind of messy and we're just basing it on what we know, which really isn't a lot. And so what he's saying is that just as he predicted that the number in China sort of exponentially grew, but then it kind of teetered off and it didn't continue to exponentially grow until it hit the whole population. It teetered off and stopped. And so he's saying that, you know, that's going to happen in North America. North America, we're still kind of on the upward trajectory, especially in the United States, places like New York City, where it's very, very dense. Um, that's, that, that's a problem area because this thing does spread very quickly. Um, but he's saying, you know, we're close to the end. This is not the apocalyptic scenario that people are suggesting. He says we need to, what we need to control is the panic. In the grand screen, in the grand scheme, we're going to be fine. This is Professor Michael Levitt from Stanford University. He's not the only one from Stanford University saying that we're really, really overreacting here. So there was an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal yesterday. And I want to read through this op-ed because it's really interesting. And again, it shows the opposite opinion and the opposite perspective of what the sort of prevailing wisdom on coronavirus is. The op-ed says, is the coronavirus as deadly as they say? Current estimates about the COVID-19 fatality rate may be too high by orders of magnitude. Okay, so this is also written by two professors at the University of, sorry, at Stanford University. They say, If it's true that the novel coronavirus would kill millions without shelter-in-place orders and quarantines, then the extraordinary measures being carried out in cities and states around the country are surely justified. But there's little evidence to confirm that premise. And projections of the death toll could plausibly be orders of magnitude too high. So what these two professors do is they say, look, we don't really have a correct control group. It's really hard to estimate how many people die from this disease because we don't know all the people who actually have it. Like potentially there could be tens of thousands or millions of people out there who have coronavirus, but because their symptoms are so mild, they're not showing any symptoms and they kind of just get better on their own. So they never get tested and they're not part of that number. So if we say like, for instance, you know, there's 100 people that test positive for coronavirus and 10 of them die, it's really easy to say that the death rate would be 10%. But what the professors are really trying to say is that it's not really 100 people that have coronavirus, it's more like 10,000. And then the 10 people die and you look at it that way and the percentage becomes much, much lower, a fraction of a percent. And this thing is only really as deadly as the common flu. And so they're saying because there's not testing, because we don't really know how many people have it and aren't really affected by it, it's, it's hard to say what the death rate is. So they look at a couple of population samples. They look at China, Italy, Iceland, and then they also look at the um, Diamond Princess cruise. And they basically come to the conclusion that the death rate, oh, sorry, and they also look at the NBA players. And they basically come to the conclusion that based on those different sample groups, the, the death rate is much, much, much lower. So yes, coronavirus does massively increase your risk at death if you get it, but 
so so few people have that sort of very very deadly stream that it it means that they the mortality rate is much much lower essentially so that's that's this point again you know these are scientists these are experts as well but they're not being included in the sort of mainstream um, idea of how we should react to this there's there's so many more examples so the university of toronto in canada um, one doctor predicted in early march that exaggerated reactions by the public about coronavirus will end up being worse than the disease itself um, he says, I'm scared that our hospitals will be overwhelmed with anyone who thinks they probably have it, but then so they might as well go get checked out no matter what, because you never know. Um, a McGill researcher also says that the public should not mistake coronavirus spread for being particularly deadly. So his point is that like, you know, the spread is very contagious and it does spread very rapidly, but that's not the same thing as it being very deadly. We still don't know, like I talked about earlier, we don't know the exact mortality rate because we don't know who has it. And so he's saying, you know, people conflate the two. Just because it spreads really quickly does not, is not necessarily an indication of how dangerous it is. I could go on and on and on. So I, again, I think we should be very cautious of just saying simply, you know, we're going to rely on scientists and experts to guide our public policy here because of course there's you know so many different opinions and voices in 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 the scientific community and so for Trudeau to sort of rest on that just shows his lack of leadership and his inability to be a leader another problem i have is that again you're you're so overemphasizing the worst case scenario so an official at the Trudeau every day that Justin Trudeau gives a briefing and then the sort of ministers are in charge of the coronavirus response team also give a, a briefing on sort of all the different things that they're working on and one of the officials yesterday said look when we're talking about the self-isolation the self-quarantine and dealing with coronavirus we're, we're not talking about days we're not talking about weeks we're talking about months. So months of this sort of shelter in place orders, quarantine, self-isolation. You just can't even imagine. I went into this in some detail in my show on Tuesday. The economic outcome of that kind of decision making is just catastrophic. And, and, and I think, again, it has to be weighed with the public health concerns. I'm not saying that the public health concerns should be ignored. No, but, but we should also consider that massive, massive economic collapse and burn that will happen if we really have to follow these orders for months. I also just don't think that Canadians will abide by that. I think that that's the point where you're going to get a lot of people just saying, you know, forget it. I don't care what the government says. I live in a free society. I'm going to go out for a walk. I'm going to go to the park. You can't force me to stay in my house in a free society. And that's when you're going to get the sort of civil unrest. And just by contrast, Donald Trump, who's getting lots and lots of criticism for optimistically saying, look, I hope this is over by Easter so people can go about their lives um, this spring. You know, he's getting condemned by that. But he, he literally said the opposite. He said, look, we're talking about weeks here and not months, trying to give assurances to the economy um, and to the people that, you know, things are going to get better. Don't let's not take the worst case scenario here. So Unfortunately, I think the Canadian government is taking the wrong approach, uh, being overly draconian now when they were overly lax for the last three months, in, in my opinion. And so in the midst of all of this, yesterday, the Liberal government sort of quietly announced another media bailout. It was really kind of jaw-dropping. Justin Trudeau, in the middle of his briefing, just sort of said... You know, and because it's a hard time for media, we're going to announce new measures to support the media. Well, in a free society, we rely on a free press, a free and independent press, not one that is bought and paid for by the federal government and by a political party running the federal government, the Liberal Party. And yet 
liberals pat themselves on the back and celebrate the fact that they're giving money out to journalists. So we later heard the details about that. A liberal government announced it would be giving media companies $30 million in taxpayer dollars as part of its national coronavirus awareness campaign. The federal government will be purchasing advertisements on traditional and digital media platforms to inform the public about the pandemic. It's crucial that Canadians can obtain authoritative, well-sourced and factual information related to COVID-19. This is why the government of Canada is taking immediate action so Canadians can continue to access diverse and reliable news sources, said the Heritage Minister. So, hmm, interesting. Uh, So I guess at a time when advertisers aren't advertising in the media, the government sees it as a priority to sort of shovel them a bunch of cash. Of course, it will only go to the media outlets that they approve of, that they like, which, as we know, does not include media outlets like True North. The government still refuses to recognize us as a media organization. And we actually took them to court. We took them to court during the last federal election for a right to report, to stand up for press freedom in Canada. We won. We got an emergency injunction. A judge ordered that the Trudeau government had to let us go and report and be allowed to be reporters at the election debate. The Trudeau government is still wanting to pick winners and losers, and this is just the latest example. You know that it's going to go to the CBC. You know that the CBC is sort of the golden child and the the chosen one for the Trudeau liberals. How could you not? They're always running interference for the Trudeau liberals. They're always kind of distracting from the real issue at a time where, again, Trudeau has bungled the response of keeping Canadians safe and, and, and acting quickly and swiftly to ensure that the coronavirus doesn't spread throughout Canada. Trudeau has been weeks and weeks late and slow and, and messing things up left, right and center. So rely on the CBC to come in and change the entire narrative to bash Trump instead. CBC will always rather bash Trump and talk about Trump, even though they're the Canadian broadcaster, they're supposed to be reporting on the Canadian news. If Canadians want to watch the media bash Trump, all they have to do is turn on any number of news channels in the United States. CNN runs, you know, 24-7 Trump bashing. So why do we have to have a Canadian voice doing that same thing instead of looking at the Canadian stories? Well, here's a, a fake news of the week. We have the CBC runs a story blaming Donald Trump for the death of a man who literally ingested fish tank cleaner. This is a wild story. This is a wild story. So on Monday, a man from Arizona sadly died after he and his wife consumed aquarium cleaner that contained chloroquine. Basically, Donald Trump has been doing these briefings as well. He's, again, trying to paint a rosy picture, trying to be as optimistic as he can in this sort of time of basically, I mean, he's been calling himself a wartime president. This is basically, you know, the world at war against this virus and it's having a similar kind of economic uh, impact as war would have devastating the economy. So Trump's trying to be optimistic. He went out and he sort of touted a couple of treatments that are being tried. And he's, you know, he said there's a couple of treatments that have been out there that have had some success. One of the examples that he gave was hydrochloroquine, which is a malaria drug or an anti-malaria medication. And so Trump touted this as well as two other drugs as being potential game changers in the fight against coronavirus. So this couple in Arizona, I guess they heard Trump saying chloroquine is something that is helping people who have coronavirus. This couple didn't have any symptoms. They don't have coronavirus. They didn't have coronavirus, but they were paranoid. They were scared, which you could blame just as much as the media sort of fear-mongering and hyping this up as you could on the president. But regardless, they were looking, the woman was looking through her cupboard and she found some fish tank cleaner. 
aquarium cleaner. She read on the label, it said chloroquine. She decided, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to consume this. I'm going to drink this because Donald Trump told me to. She mixed it with some water. Her and her husband ingested it. So this is like a homemade cocktail of cleaning solution that she found. I mean, you'd have to be so insane and I'm sorry, so stupid to drink something like that. This couple did. Sadly, the man passed away. The woman vomited it up. And so she was in critical condition, but she didn't. Of course, NBC ran there and put a microphone in her face. And so she said, you know, don't listen to Trump. Trump told me to do this and and don't listen to Trump. Trump kept saying, it was basically pretty much a cure. Don't take anything. Don't believe anything. Don't believe anything that the president says. Call your doctor. Well, that would be good advice to everyone. You know, don't just start taking homemade cocktails of, of random stuff in your um, cleaning cupboard thinking that that will prevent you from getting coronavirus. No, um, chloroquine needs to be prescribed by a doctor. And it's not just something that you can create a homemade version of in your, in your laundry room. And so... Again, this is just a story of basically people acting very recklessly in a chaotic situation. The media, of course, run and decide to blame this all, of course, on Donald Trump. This is just such a dishonest take by the media. We saw it in the U.S. and then they sort of backed off of it because it was just so brazen. But you trust the CBC to repeat every single type of Trump derangement. So they had this headline from CBC News Alerts. Arizona man dead, woman in critical condition after ingesting, after ingesting chemical touted by U.S. President Donald Trump as potential COVID-19 treatment. Don't believe anything the president says. Woman tells NBC, call your doctor. The only problem is Trump didn't tout this particular drug as a cure for COVID-19 or a treatment. He, he said that the, the doctors are having some luck with using this in combination with antibiotics and that he, it made him feel optimistic. He by no means told people to go and ingest a homemade cocktail of random stuff. So this is uh, pretty dishonest even for the CBC. So that gets this week in fake news. So once again, instead of informing Canadians with the truth and, and, and keeping us well informed, uh, the CBC instead goes and runs towards uh, Trump derangement syndrome and pushing fake news. They would rather tell a story about how Trump is is wrong and how Trump potentially killed someone than report the truth, which is that chloroquine is actually is having positive effects. There's been plenty of doctors and plenty of experts, again, out there saying this is potentially something that will help people with coronavirus, but the media is so deranged that they can't even see that. Okay, I am going to leave it at that. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget to check out True North Update, which is a daily show I've been doing with Andrew Lawton, where we go through all the latest with the coronavirus here in Canada and around the world, and we sort of pick apart what Trudeau and his ministers say after their daily briefing every day. So check that out. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will be back again next week. I'm Candace Malcolm, and this is The Candace Malcolm Show.